Welcome back, dear listeners, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you again for joining me this week. Today, my guest is Andeshe Farahmand, a dietitian colleague of mine based out of California who has helped more than a thousand dietetic interns pass their national exam with her individual classes, workshops, and tutoring skills. Andeshe and I dish about being bullied in childhood, being an entrepreneur, and how students can overcome the stress and anxiety that comes with taking an exam. So sit back, enjoy the conversation, and let's dish. Welcome, Andeshe Farahmand, to the Dish with Dina podcast. Thank you so much for taking time out of your, what I know is a very busy schedule, to chat with me. Hi, Dina. Thank you so much for um, inviting me to be on your podcast. I'm very excited. I am excited too. I want to start our conversation, as I always do with my episodes, where we discuss a little bit about how we met each other. But in yours, in your case, in my case, we don't necessarily know each other in person. We just happen to travel through the same um, circles because we are both dietitians and we work in the dietetics community. So do you remember where you and I first maybe met online? I, I kind of remember, but I want to know if you have the same story as I do. Um, I think it was just on like one of those Facebook pages, or you may have been following me and I commented on you, your post or I messaged you, you know, it's one of those. Yeah. Yes. That's exactly it. We belong to a bunch of uh, RD2B, so Registered registered Dietitian 2B Facebook groups where you promote your services. I am also a preceptor and I also have some services that I provide to students or interns that are getting up and running with their careers. And I definitely have always been in awe of what you've been doing. And I think we uh, collaborated a little bit, if I'm not mistaken, by offering some of your services to one of the interns that I had known back, or at least a a group of interns that I had known, I had shared your information with. And we've been kind of seeing each other online ever since. So this is why I'm really excited to get to know you a little bit more on this personal level, and also have you share as we progress with our discussion, the things that you are currently working on, because a lot of the listeners that I have are students and interns and in the health sciences field. And I think a lot of people can benefit from listening to what you provide. So let me start off with a little bit of your first earliest food memories. Can you tell us a little bit about where you grew up, what kind of culture or heritage you had, and if there were anything in particular as far as traditional food ways, celebrations, things that you kind of remember fondly, or maybe not so fondly of your childhood? Yes, Dina. I was. Uh, I grew up in Iran. I was born in Iran, um, and um, rice is a big staple in a lot of countries, especially in Iran. And there's so many different rice dishes. There's like at least twenty that I could name, and um, we have a very rich culture and history and cuisine and uh, if anybody ever thinks about trying Persian cuisine Iranian cuisine I highly recommend it we have everything from you know uh, rice dishes to stews um, uh, curry style food dishes that are vegan vegetarian pescatarian just a lot of really healthy food options and most of it is also gluten free and dairy free so and soy free 
So a lot of people who do have allergies to these foods, um, they can definitely try the Persian cuisine. It's very rich, um, full of different tastes and uh, beautiful aromas, and I highly recommend it. So rice has been one of my you know, earliest things that I've ever eaten. Um, we have a lot of dishes. Uh, we even have like a sticky rice, sticky, like crunchy rice that we call tadig, and that's like the main um appetizer slash entree for a lot of people like I would eat it as an entree um I fight over it with people like this is how good it is so you guys need to definitely check out Persian cuisine I highly recommend this too because like you said it's very flavorful but it also accommodates a lot of different tastes and preferences and anyone who might suffer from intolerances or allergies you can definitely find some sort of dish within this culture's recipes that are going to accommodate you do you have aside from what you just mentioned another favorite dish that reminds you of home or of any holidays that you celebrated yeah, within the Persian cuisine, I love a lot of different dishes. But outside of the Persian cuisine, I like to gravitate towards Middle Eastern Mediterranean cuisines, like Moroccan dishes, um, you know, couscous, shakshuka, like a lot of Israeli, Lebanese, like a lot of cuisines that are around that region that we have very similar taste palettes I guess you could say I love Turkish food Kurdish food a lot of people don't know what Kurdish food is but like it's very very similar and I love all those regions that is amazing and you're making my mouth water right now (laughs) (laughs) because anytime I talk well I mean this is the problem with my podcast is we always talk about food and I get very hungry so as you're talking I'm writing things down I have the benefit and luxury of working working and living in New York City where yes. we have access to a lot of different yes. cultural foods. Yes. I'm excited. I'm yeah. excited to try some of these things. So I wanted to just uh, divert for a second because a lot of the, the, well, being in the dietetics world, just to go off for a minute here, but kind of tying into what you're talking about with staple foods of not just your region and your culture, but a lot of cultures across the globe are very rice-based or mm-hmm. starched and grain base. And we see sometimes as we venture into America or American ways of eating, it takes a different direction. Sometimes we're told stop eating our cultural foods and switch off to something else. Try to be mindful of how much rice you're eating, or sometimes just, just by nature of not necessarily having certain dishes prepared for you the way that they were made. Tell me a little bit about that transition. Like when you finally uh, came or how old you were, I should say, too, when you came from Iran and what that, I guess, the, the culture difference might have been in how you were eating versus how you are eating now. Yeah, um, I moved to the States when I was 12, 13. So literally, I came on a Thursday, we arrived on a Thursday and high school ninth grade started on a Monday. So I had four or three days to prepare myself But I was in for a culture shock when it comes to just like how people behave and what they think and act and say. But as long as like as as far as food goes, I wasn't um, homesick because or I didn't feel homesick because, uh, like I said, like there's a Persian restaurant in every corner. Um, A lot of Persians live in Los Angeles and I felt like, you know, there was a piece of my country at every corner. So it didn't feel like I was missing anything. 
Oh, that's so lovely. Because if you had ended up in a different state or a much smaller town or neighborhood, that could have been a whole different experience for you. Exactly. I've mentioned this before in some of the previous episodes that I grew up as a first-generation Italian-American. And so when I was a child in my earlier years that because of how my parents would eat and send me to school with very Italian traditional types of foods, uh, I often got made fun of in my classes. So I'm glad that you didn't necessarily, even though it was a culture shock transition, you, you still integrated quite nicely where you didn't feel outcasted in that way. Cause that, that's not a fun feeling to have when you're nine years old or eight years old. In my case. Yeah. Well, I also got bullied a lot. Like um, it was hard for me to transition into the, culture per se but like when it comes to Mm. food it was just it was not a big deal and I mean I didn't eat American food or I didn't eat junk food to 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 this day I still haven't had like Burger King or like taco this and this and that and like I haven't had a lot of like the junk food that they have right because I just don't believe in it but um I'm able to find a piece of my country or my regional cuisine or even Lebanese, like Israeli, Mm. Turkish, like all of those I'm able to find around. So, yeah. So let me ask you then, as you transitioned into some of your later years, becoming a bit of an, a, a more of an adult, having more independence, what were some of those early food behaviors, not just of not having necessarily, you know, fast food at the ready, but what shaped you into the direction that you ended up going in to where you are now? Yeah, this is a it's an interesting question. So um, let's see, I decided to write about health and beauty around 2013, 14 um, with Instagram. And I realized, you know, I have a knack for it. Um, everybody loved my pieces that I wrote, like they loved the information that I covered. So it was just very natural for me to want to pursue something in nutrition and dietetics. Um, obviously, like my life took a turn because I'm an RD exam tutor. <laughs> but I have thought about, you know, going to that direction again, and maybe doing something with nutrition and dietetics, maybe opening up my own practice one day. Um, right now, I think I like where I am in life. And um, later on, I would love to look into practicing and um, thinking about, you know, how I can um, serve my community within nutrition and dietetics um, in a clinical setting. But that makes sense in in the sense that you had this love or passion and you felt like you were really good at speaking to health and beauty, which yeah. is related. I mean, we talk about it skin is. and gut health and different factors like sleep and self-care. So a lot of that is really related to the whole nutrition aspect as well. Like people don't realize a lot of those behaviors go hand in hand with the choices that they make of when they do eat foods. So I'm really glad that that took you into this direction that we have you in this profession now. Yes, I'm very excited. And so if you share with us then what your current day in the life of you is, can you give us a little bit of a background about your journey that brought you to where you are now? And then give us a little insight into, you know, kind of what your, your work schedule is like, your personal schedule as obviously <clears throat> feel, feel free to share as much or as little feels comfortable yeah. for you, but tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so I wake up around 630 every day. Um, I usually go to the gym. I have a personal trainer. Um, uh, You know, I love 
I love him, obviously, and I, <laughs> I've been uh, working with him for at least five years now. So uh, he knows my body type. He knows what to give me. He knows what I hate. He knows what I love. Um, after that, I come home, take a shower, usually start answering emails from the day or uh, whatever weekend before. Um, I text my students. I usually get about 20 to 30 texts a day. So I text people back throughout the day. Like they have questions in my, like anyone in my program, I have an open door policy. Like you can text me whenever. So I answer them as soon as I see them, either from the day before or like that day when I see them. So then uh, after all of those uh, questions answered and emails replied to, I then start seeing students. I see about sometimes five, sometimes three, sometimes seven students in a day. It just depends on my schedule. Um, and then after that, usually I meet with my developers, like app developers or my web developers, or have a meeting with my VA, my virtual assistant, or we just, you know, talk on the phone or we have a Zoom meeting or whatever. Or even if I don't have any meetings at the end of the night or my evening would be like, you know, someone else's night time. <laughs> um, then... I usually just watch a movie or cook my meals for the next day or just relax. Yeah. And I also post a lot on my social media. So throughout the day, I'm like constantly posting maybe a question or people's passes. I talk to students if they didn't pass their exam or anyone who just recently discovered me, like I would talk to them. So I do that as well. Let's go back for a second because a lot of, uh, as I mentioned, a lot of the listeners that I have are within the health sciences field, are students, are interns to be at some point. But also, I like to have a broader discussion about being an entrepreneur or a business person as a solo practitioner or at least getting that startup going for yourself. So when did you notice or decide that this was an answer that you had? for people's questions and problems, like you were able to offer this service? What kind of came about where that changed for you about this is what I think I can offer? Yeah, the thing is, when I was studying for the exam myself, like in 2019, um, that, around that time, I felt this void of resource and like, compassionate tutors like I didn't feel like that the people that were tutoring or they were available and the resources that was available was enough and it didn't really find a place in my heart like I didn't like it I didn't feel like um, it was enough and it didn't teach me what I wanted to teach me so um, I realized that there's a niche you know there's a niche for people who need something different and I said to myself when I pass I am gonna start tutoring so <laughs> that is a fantastic way to approach it because a lot of times that's exactly the case somebody says whatever it doesn't have to be just dietetics it could literally be whatever profession or whatever career you're pursuing or whatever subject matter you're studying, you're always going to find something that feels like it's missing. And that's a wonderful opportunity if you have the ability and the time and the effort and energy, and maybe even the budget to be able to support yourself in, 
in creating a service or a, an answer or a solution to people out there because almost always, right, and you'll probably agree with me on this, there's somebody out there who's feeling the exact same way and just doesn't know how to go about fixing it. Like they don't know what to do next. So I really think that what you're providing is such a valuable experience and solution. And just to give some background to anybody who's listening to this, who's not familiar with the exam, while we pursue our dietetics through an undergraduate, and now it's going to be graduate academics, we then also have to enter, we have to apply to get accepted into and enter into what is basically about a year's long worth program of doing supervised internship at different places like health and wellness centers, nursing homes, uh, clinic, a hospital, depends on obviously your location and what kind of pursuits you are undertaking within the program itself or what program you've been accepted into. But then at the end of all of that, once you have been verified as completed those, what is it now? Is it a thousand, 1200 hours? I forget after. For me, it was 1200. 1200. Same thing for me. So after we finish those hours of supervised practice, then we have to study for and sit and take and hopefully pass on the first try a national exam, which is really overwhelming because I mean, I don't know about you, as you shared with your story, but for me, I felt like I studied what I thought was 1 million questions. And the second I hit start on that exam, the first question that popped up, I was like, what is this? I don't know what this is. <laughs> and I honestly felt like, well, there goes that. I'll, I'm not going to pass anything. And it was really very daunting. So can you share a little bit too, not just about the practicing of the content, but what it takes to be successful in even taking an exam, like the amount of, I guess, you know, stress and anxiety that takes over somebody. Do you address that also in what you prepare your students for? Yes, I definitely do. Um, I've had many students who, you know, they were anxious or they had anxiety for whatever reason. Um, they didn't or couldn't take the exam and they came to me after or they or or they came to me after having failed the exam. So I worked with so many different people, stay at home moms, parents who work two jobs, students, people who work, people who don't work, people who've been in the field for years and years and they never took the exam. All sorts of people, young, older, male, female, like everybody. I've worked with everybody. Um, <clears throat> so part of passing an exam is believing in yourself mm -hmm. and also being ready. If you're ready, if you have done everything and gotten to a point that you are as ready as you are, then that's half of it. The other half is just being comfortable during the exam and knowing that you got this and um, I mean, one of those answers are correct. You know what I mean? So the answer is right there. You just have to recognize it and know enough to be able to pick it up. Now, there are definitely um, tricks and tips that I have, like keywords within different scenarios and um, how to pick the right answer. Because, you know, sometimes two answers could be correct and one of them is the best answer. So there are definitely ways to go about picking the right answer. And, you know, after working with so many people, because I don't know if you said this in your podcast, but recently I've had a thousand passes. So 
Oh, wow. Yeah. And just in my program, at least 350 passes. So I've worked with so many people, like I've done one-on-ones, group sessions, and the formula is always the same. It's like you work hard, you study, you do the questions, you do the work, you are prepared, you believe in yourself, and you pass the exam. That is absolutely amazing. I really feel like that support is so needed. And even though we have a variety of people that we work with over the course of our academics, and we have mentors and preceptors within our supervised practice, it takes somebody like you who really understands the ins and outs where you're focusing specifically on guiding that and providing that confidence for those people who are taking that exam. Because it's no joke. I mean, that thing is, you know, whatever, two and a half hours long, 125 to X amount of questions in and it can really feel quite daunting and like you said if you're not sure how to deduce how to figure out out of these multiple choice questions which are the best the quote-unquote best answers because sometimes that in itself is a definition that we don't know either of what to choose from that you're really providing that support and that guidance and confidence to people to um, as you said you can now claim more than a thousand people who've passed that is so fantastic there is a trick in these multiple choice questions and I know that because I have created so many myself Mm -hmm. I also have an app I built an app with over a thousand questions so through the process of building an app with questions that are hard tricky you get the idea like you start to learn what it is that makes a question hard and um, then you get to come up with multiple choice answers and through this process I've learned what it is about multiple choice questions that makes it impossible to pick the right answer and and that process uh, I've only learned through you know creating questions myself and then I have really mastered the art of answering a multiple choice question if that makes sense. It 100% makes sense because it really is. It feels like there's a science behind it, obviously, but there's also an art to it too, for sure. So the app that you just mentioned is called the Pass the Dietitian Exam, correct? And that's live? Yes. Okay. Yes, it's on um, on your phone. So whether you have an Android or an iPhone, you can download it, Pass the Dietitian Exam. And then share a little bit more about, you mentioned you have, or at least you mentioned to me before we had this discussion, the A to Z series, the one-on-one tutoring. What are some of the differences there and who do these things cater to differently? Yes, the A to Z series is basically my comprehensive program. It comes with recorded classes, a schedule created just for you, um, four sessions that are private and um the app access to my app and as well as access to the notes and so it's a really good comprehensive program and you get it for four months so you have it for four months and you have the app for six months just in case you want to practice and it's really good for anybody who just either Um, you know, is studying from scratch or has already failed the exam and wants guidance or anyone who maybe want to have someone to like teach her or him something like watch videos. Those people who learn and are visual learners, they learn by watching and listening. So it's great for everybody. 
Right. And that's really important too, because it's not just about the product that you're putting out. You still have to cater to whomever is receiving that information. And that really is something to take into account if people are auditory or uh, tactile or visual learners, and you're able to provide them with different kinds of formats within the same program. I think this is also great for people who um, they have their own schedule set, like they work from a certain to certain time, and I'm able to create a program for them based on the times that they're available. Um, You know, people who work and they don't really know how to find the time to study or people who are stay at home moms or they work from home, they have a little one to take care of. Like I've worked with so many people and their schedules um, are also different. So I've worked with so many people, I was able to help them create a schedule. But this is great for anyone who wants to watch videos and follow a schedule. And especially since we're not all in the same time zone. So this is really good because it's almost like a self-paced component, which I know I find really helpful too. If I can't make certain classes or if I can't attend certain workshops, I always appreciate if there's something that I can do on my own and then be able to, you know, wrap around and then come back if I need more one-on-one type of coaching or assistance. Exactly. And so go back for one second here because you took a non-traditional route. You became a dietitian and then you didn't necessarily, you know, because the the ongoing, not joke, but the ongoing thought, I think that a lot of students who become dietitians think is that they have to go right into two years of clinical or work in a hospital setting or some sort of clinical setting before even doing anything else. But you had a more unconventional, non-traditional type of route that you took and you started doing this. Is that, is that correct? Well, I was, I was doing this, uh, alongside working in a clinical setting. So okay. like, yeah, I was work. I was busy. Like I was working 60 hour weeks <sighs> and I used the paycheck from my clinical job to fund this. So So this was one of these things that started out almost like a bit of a side gig or as we call it sometimes a side hustle, but is now almost the forefront of a lot of what you do. Correct. And now my clinical job is a side hustle. (laughs) I feel as dietitians, I don't know if anybody going into this knows this, but I try to tell people all the time, no matter what you do as a dietitian, there's probably going to be some sort of side gig, whether it's speaking engagements, or if you want to get involved in your community and you do local workshops with different kinds of providers or different kinds of organizations like gyms, fitness centers, the yoga studio, you know, there's always opportunities to really expand and grow, get your name out there, develop something that can provide you with some supplemental income, but also get you a little bit outside of your zone. Because sometimes if you are working in a bit of a more traditional setting or a facility, you're only going to know what you know within those, sometimes those four walls. And so it's nice to, you know, get out and do other things, expand, expand on some of the things that you think you might be strong in and see if that gives you a different direction, whether it's organically, or if somebody reaches out and says, I have an opportunity to you for you, because I've seen you doing this, and you're really great at it and allowing that to take you in that whole different direction. So let's talk a little bit now about the future you, because I know you touched upon maybe, you know, toying with some things in the future. So can you walk me through what you see for yourself, both as your own personal business with what you're doing right now, and then also as a dietitian, and also maybe even in whatever other professional or personal things that you're pursuing, where do you see yourself going in the next two to five to 10 years or so? Yeah, I would love to have my own um, clinical business, like my own practice. I mean, it's it's a great 
I guess, motivation for me to, to keep doing this. But I would love to do that one day, have my own practice. Do you have a specific clientele that you are more drawn, drawn to, whether it's age or conditions? Um, I have thought about it, but it's not set in stone. So I would like to not talk about it. Okay. Until, yeah. <laughs> until further notice. Well, it'll be a surprise at some point. So yes. let me ask you then in your own professional development and your career pursuits, what are some of your go-to resources? Like for instance, are you also attending a lot of these dietitian conferences or reading the journal articles that are coming out? What kind of keeps you fresh? But I also want you to if we can talk about this as a second part to this question, I also want to ask you too about social media because that's such a huge part of what you do. Yes, I do attend. Uh, I want to attend Fancy. Um, I have attended other Fancies. I have attended Natural Food Expos before. Um, so some other dietitian meetings and uh, just nutrition and dietetic expos before. So yeah, I love. I love all those events and what was your next question the question that I was thinking about too is I would say maybe this ties into the tech issue also of developing your own app but then also being so involved on social media how do you keep fresh with that how do you know what to look for are you like looking through your analytics are you gaining different perspectives as to what kind of content to put out because I honestly get very overwhelmed and you and I were just talking prior to our recording about how it's very time consuming to keep up with all of these things. So walk me through a little bit about that too, all these different ways that you're getting your, you know, promoting yourself in that way and how, what support looks like for you. How did you even learn how to develop your own app or how did you learn to create content for social media? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't develop my own app. I, I hired app developers. Ah, Yes, Good. I don't I wouldn't know how to develop an app. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. Like t- social media is so time consuming. I am I would be excited for the day that there is no more social media to be honest with you. Because I don't know, it's just like it has its own good, but it also has mm. its own negative negative points. I'm just looking forward to the day that no one no one uses it anymore. <laughs> everything everything crashes and we have to go back to handing out business cards in person. Exactly. I'm just looking forward to that day. I really feel like as I know we're kind of half joking here but I really want to encourage anyone who's listening to this to know that it doesn't have to always be that way. Like if you have a way that feels comfortable for you, at the very least if you just have an email list or you have a website where you like to blog about things or you put on events and people meet you in person and stuff, there's always a way to promote yourself or to expand your scope or reach network with people. I really feel like you don't have to be forced into doing social media if you don't want to but it can be a way to further enhance or develop whatever it is that you're promoting because people are on it quite a lot so you know yes it has absolutely is it's a good good sides and bad sides to it I, but I'm with you I I'm not necessarily old-fashioned analog. Like, I definitely enjoy paper products, (laughs) being able to uh, not have to be on the computer so much. As we were talking earlier, email alone is, I mean, overwhelming. It takes up a good portion of my day. Bananas. But you also mentioned, too, so hiring an app developer, also working with a VA, a virtual assistant. And this is something, too, that speaks to knowing when to invest in 
your product in yourself to advance your career and also be able to set boundaries with yourself. Otherwise you're just going to be spread thin. So tell me a little bit about that too. You mentioned, obviously you don't have to go into too much detail with finances, but you mentioned being able to take some money and put it aside towards that. And so can you talk about what that felt like to kind of hand something over to somebody? And did you have any control over those components? Were you able to, you know, kind of have some meetings with these people or do you just trust somebody that they know what it is that they're working on? and you leave the professionals to do their thing you know let me just mention uh, trust for me is so hard I don't trust easily and I could also say I don't trust anyone so it was so difficult for me to trust people who I don't know who I've never met obviously through like another platform and hand them over something that I don't know what I'm going to get. And I had to I had to hire a whole new team because the the very first team that I hired they were just what they called themselves freshies like they were just immature they were juvenile in their position like they did just they didn't know what they're doing it was like their first project. So yeah like I've spent so much money but everything that I have made, I've spent towards it. So it's right. like I haven't really lost money. Uh, I've just broken even in the app section. Um, anything that I make, uh, it goes back into the into the project to make the app better, work better, run better, um, just be better. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm like you too. I am <clears throat> the type of person who I feel like I could just do everything myself. I'm a little bit worried about handing things off. I have been burned in the past as you had as well with assuming I was trusting somebody with working on some stuff and then, you know, finding out that that's not what I wanted or it came in at a different price that I had hoped for, or just, it just didn't reflect what I believed we had spoken about. And so sometimes there's disappointment in that, but it's also an opportunity to learn and be more business savvy in the future ways that we're doing it. And I also think too, that at some point, like I said, it helps to invest in what we need to have done. Like, yes, I can clean my house and I can paint my walls, but I know that there are professionals that are out there too. And so if I look at the grand scheme of things and my calendar, who I am, where my self-care goes, how spread thin I am, I might end up thankfully having the ability to invest or to put aside some money in my budget to hire out some of these services. Even if it's simple as like somebody bringing me my groceries so that I don't have to go out and do it as much as I do like walking around a supermarket. Sometimes those little things really take the stress off of me that I can pursue other things and kind of alleviate that for myself. And so as we're talking about things like this too, I wanted to get your insight. Well, first of all, I do want to say I'm going to be putting your information as far as your website, where people can find you on Instagram and Facebook at your Pass the Dietitian exam platforms and accounts. But I also want to find out from you a little bit about what else you might want to talk about if we didn't cover anything or if there's any other ways that people might want to connect with you if we didn't cover that here. Yes. Um, another thing is that I'm going to have another live series and this time it's going to be almost half off because I have helped pass a, a thousand students. So it's on a special price. It starts November and um, it's just literally um, daily Monday through Friday and uh, 60 to 90 minute sessions. Uh, I provide you with the app, the notes, live sessions, 
and you will be done right before Thanksgiving. So if you're interested for, uh, you know, signing up for that RD exam prep live course, let me know. Oh, that's fantastic. So that's something they're also going to see you promoting on your sites and your accounts and so on. Correct. Fantastic. Okay. Andishe, so let me ask you my final couple of questions that I always do because I love rounding out the discussion with getting a little bit more of a deep dive into your personal pursuits. I mean, we are in the health sciences field. We know that we have these discussions, as we mentioned before, with health and supporting our nutrition, food habits, etc. So can you share with us what is on your plate today? So as we're talking right now, you're on a different coast than I am, but it's still kind of like mid-ish afternoon. And tell us a little bit about what you have in store, both towards the end of today, as far as what your work is concerned, but then also what is the next meal that you are planning for yourself? I actually have made my meal and it's sitting right next to me and I'm going to eat it as soon as we're done and maybe just watch some TikTok or just, I don't know, like just be for myself for like half an hour. Um, I've made kale salad with chicken. Um, so that's my meal. And then after that, I do have three more students back to back. So I just made sure that we have enough time for this, but I did schedule them a little bit later and that's really it. Yeah. That's so funny that you said you're going to watch TikTok. What if social media goes away? Do you want to still keep TikTok? No, I would be happy if it goes away. I just watch really funny things. Like I don't watch people and like what they have and what they're saying. I just watch comedy. Like right. I'm, I'm only doing it for fun. Like goofy videos and things that yes. make you laugh. That's yeah. so that's so important because especially when you are running your own business, you know, it feels like all of these hours and days just run into each other. So it's kind of nice to give yourself that space to get away and just have a laugh and giggle about some things and let your mind be free. Yes. Another thing that I really like, I, I subscribe to a lot of travel channels and stuff. And I know that's not like nutrition and dietetics related, but something I've always wanted to do is have my own travel agency. Like I would, I would love that because I've been to 21 countries and not a lot of people know, but I've traveled a lot and I, I love traveling and I know every place, like I know about every place. Like if you tell me this place where does it exist or where is it or where can you find it like I know exactly what what part of the planet it is like I know exactly everything about it I love reading about different cultures and different people and different cuisines so another thing I like to watch on my break or like when I'm uh, running on the treadmill is just travel documentaries like I've watched everything on Netflix and um, I watch a lot of YouTube videos about different travel places. So if I could intertwine travel and nutrition somehow, which I know I've thought about it, that would be really good. Um, That would be like my perfect job. Like I would not want to do anything else. (laughs) 
This makes perfect sense to me, though, because you started off by saying you love educating, you found some missing parts of when you were trying to go through things, and then you're now providing that solution to the interns and the students who are coming through the ranks with the dietitian exam. But same thing kind of applies for people who are confused as to where to go and what to do. And you are, you have that background. So it kind of makes sense in my head that you would be educating them as a travel agent and putting together a package for them to understand the all the things that they should go to and try and test out and experience to give them that, that experience to have them uh, be kind of packaged up for themselves. So this is not surprising at all. And I have a feeling in the future, you will find a way to, to marry those two loves of yours. Yes, that's correct. <laughs> well, I really appreciate the time that we've spent together and I very much look forward to continue following you and seeing where your career goes. And, and I also just want to say thank you as myself being a teacher and a preceptor and also having gone through the whole dietetics experience as a lot of the students and interns are doing now. Thank you for providing this service to them. They really, really need it. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Dish with Dina podcast. I am Dina D'Alessandro, registered dietitian, nutritionist, founder, and chief executive life changer at Dish with Dina, and I'm also your host. If you like what you heard, I would be so grateful if you could subscribe to this podcast, leave a review, and share this with others who you think might benefit from what we have to offer on these episodes. You can also join my mailing list at dishwithdina.com or email me at info at dishwithdina.com with questions, comments, feedback, and if you'd like to be a guest on a future episode because everybody eats and we all have a story to share. I hope you tune back in next week when we dish again.